Yo, who are we waiting on today, man? Uh, Kevin, who I think should be here any second now. I okay. pull my classic not talking to my co-host before the show starts. So hey, that makes the best show. Completely winging it. Yeah, there, there may be a middle ground there somewhere where you talk a little bit about what you may, may want to discuss. But just like with you, like I'm comfortable doing this with you, with Kevin, with uh, BK, of course. Because Chip is so knowledgeable about shit and he's got so many stories. I could probably pull it off with Chip too. Some people you do need to talk about it beforehand, but yeah, yeah, some of us just have that natural rapport. So ultimately I'm with you. I mean, I, I only do it, well, partially out of laziness, but partially because I have a belief in the uh, the relationship with which I'm uh, nurturing slash uh, talking to somebody about. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part, you know, the fact that just the trust in whoever you're teaming with for that day, you know, you know it's going to be there because, yeah, we never, every time that you've asked me to come on, bro, we've never talked about anything before, which it's a lot of it's obvious, like just paying attention, like that's our yeah. job is to pay attention to what's going on in the sports world, so you just kind of know what the headlines are going to be coming into the day, but yeah. I've been in this thing long enough. Like you said, there's some people that you have to break it down and prep with, but that some, yeah, you just come in and wing it. Well, it's obvious pretty quickly too, with a lot of people, at least in my experience with things like when you and I started doing the midday radio show together, when you became a part of shirts and skins like I saw you and Chad trying to feel one another out. And a lot of that is on Chad too, because Chad, and he admits this, he's, he's, he's got this, uh, this sort of dorkiness about him. And he's a great setup guy too, by the way. But I could tell that it, it was going to take a little bit of time. Whereas you and I had no problem fucking with one another one, but also laughing together. If you can laugh with me and if I can laugh with you, then the rest of it becomes very easy because sports radio, sports broadcasting, it's incredibly formulaic. You listen to enough shows, you hear the the same people or different people talking about the same things. It's that in-between chatter that I think makes a big difference in the best shows out there. And so you, like with BK, the first time BK and I did a show, I'm like, oh shit, we got to do something regularly. So I argued, or I didn't argue, I proposed to him and then to radio station management that we do something on Wednesday nights. And that turned into a Monday through Friday deal. And Kevin is been a friend about just as long as anybody that I have in my life. So that's, that's next level on top of the fact that uh, we have a sort of deviance, Kevin and I do where we really antagonize one another and uh, push one another uh, further and further to see who can uh, end up over that proverbial line. Then again, you and I have a little bit of that as well. I think that's <laughs> I'm drawn to fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best stuff, man. Like, those are the best shows. And, yeah, going back to the old place, that's why I figured out with Chad and how he needed to have things go. And it's like, okay, this is different for me. Because, again, producing Bucky and Aaron, like, we know how those dudes got down. <laughs> dudes, like, they come in, it'd be five, maybe like 5.55, and then, bam, like, they rolled on for 20-something years. So, yeah, That's a great it all point. yeah, Like, it, it all just depends. Well, you had the thankless spot, too, and I know that's something you, that you were okay doing, but it also adds another layer to the challenge of, of running the board while you're also co-hosting a show. And I always tell anybody, if you think the person who is a second voice on the show 
and they just so happen to be behind that soundboard is a producer. No, they're a they're a fucking co-host times two because you're having to do that while deal with other shit as well. And by the way, you don't people don't normally recognize this if you're doing it right, but there are times you're having to put fires out or you're having to troubleshoot in the middle of also either leading or being a part of a conversation. And so you did that really well. BK obviously did that well back in the day. I was okay at it too. And uh, it's just another reason why I had so much respect for you early on with your on-air abilities is that you could balance those two things no problem. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that I do miss. Not much that I miss about radio, but that's one thing that I do miss, just being on the board. And oh, having- you like you like that. You like oh, being I on the love- board hosting. Yo, when I had the right call where it was just me, mm. like that was heaven. Interesting. Like, just running your own show or running the board and playing different sound bites and, you know, bringing people on. Now, it was tough, but yeah, you, there was a certain fulfillment with that that came with it. Like, yo, this, because again, it's one of those not everybody could do. So to know that you could do it at a pretty decent rate, like, yeah, there's a refreshing feeling that comes from that. Yes, there is. I'm texting Kevin right now, by the way, and just making sure that everything's okay with him. Yo, tell me why I saw a snippet of the real world Kevin season. I've never seen it. I, I've never, I was too young when it came out. I was probably what, 10? Was that 01? Mm hmm. Yeah, I was probably- uh, yeah, because it was just before September 11th, I believe. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, that was one, yeah. Okay, yeah, 2001. I just saw some clip come up on my phone, and I guess there the girls that he was with or whatever that was just, I guess, making her rounds, and the one black dude that got into his feelings because the girl he thought him that girl. I don't know who she was, but. She wasn't taking it seriously. He was while Kevin has a girl sitting on his lap in the confession room and he's making out with them. I'm like, yo, KD, all the shit that I heard was true, huh? This dude was a match. This dude coming out of Oak Hill slash Westlake, which it must have been the Oak Hill part of a macking. But yo, I was not taken back because KD's my guy and I know the dude has game, but I was shocked of how it went down where it was like oh yeah i'm making out with these girls oh you look at that guy with me cool and i'm like oh shit the real world was popping back in the day because i was never a real world guy like i remember it coming to austin and that was the only one i really watched and i was old enough to actually get it oh one i didn't understand i didn't get the hype i'm fucking 10 but now I gotta find it on bootleg or YouTube or something like ask for DVDs from Katie. I gotta see, I gotta run it back. I gotta so watch it. Could have been the Oak Hill over the West Lake. I would argue, and I think Kevin would agree that it was more the testicular cancer than anything else, and the uh the truly not giving a fuck attitude, especially as it pertains to women and understanding the position that you're in too. It just is rife for hooking up. I mean, that was part of the deal. With the real world. I think the black dude you were referencing is Malik, by the way. He's still one of Kevin's good friends to this day. I've had the pleasure of getting to know him a little bit, too. He lives out in the Bay Area. He is an awesome dude. And Kevin has talked about how he and Malik would just elude the cameras. They would basically escape the real world house 
no cameras in tow so they could just get a little bit of privacy and go burn one down and just fucking hang out not worry have to worry about that shit for uh small amounts of time but that was also it's funny that you mentioned that about him being in the confessional room with girls one i only watched a couple episodes of that season it was just weird to see him in such a uh a produced version of his life having known him prior to that and i'm like i i just can't do this I, i'm out um but that was also a fairly tame season by real world standards. And I only know that because the seasons after that, they just cranked up the, uh, the boozing and sexing to 10. Like that season was probably at a four or five after that. They're like, Oh, we've got to throw more alcohol at these young people and get them in all sorts of compromised positions. And I think the next season may have been Chicago or Vegas or something like that. But uh, yeah, they, they cranked it all the way up after that because that it was a pretty, not low key necessarily, but it was a pretty chill group of people that they got for that second New York season. That's right. Zay was shook, CB. Yeah, I was shook. I was shook. And yeah, just hearing all the, um, just how commercial reality TV is. There's not much reality in it at all. They're literally telling you, to do this and that they're you know basically <laughs> like pushing you this way and you're like i mean i guess i have to act this way or you know they're gonna screw me over somehow so oh they they would take shit out of context too i'm pretty sure that kevin told me something about this where he had said something not anywhere close to a supposed incident but they brought that comment back as if he was saying that about something that had just happened like straight up, straight up deceptive, but I guess that's also kind of how they feel like they need to do these things. It's why reality television is so funny to me. It's like the furthest thing from reality a lot of times, just drumming up the drama as much as humanly possible. But hey, it is for women and a lot of men now for what sports has been to dudes for all these years, what cartoons are for kids. It's, yep. you know, it's women's sports in a sense. Yeah, I'll still watch The Bachelor, Bachelorette with my wife. That's my That's one that definitely has the uh, the the cross biological sex appeal to it. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, it's again. I'm getting brownie points with my lady for it, but I ain't gonna front. Like I, I dig it. I dig it. It's fun to see these people just completely <laughs> trash themselves and look for love in a span of two months. Hey, like, look. it's two freaking months. How do you fall in love with anybody in that span? And sometimes okay. it works. It's okay for a guy to admit that he likes The Bachelor, just like it's okay for two dudes to share a bowl of gumbo. There are yeah. two spoons in that situation. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. You different spoon, KD. I see you're shaking your head. It was a different spoon. I'm not in New Orleans often. I, I you know, I wanted to taste a little bit of everything, man. Come on, bro. I see you I, looking at me in disgust. Come on now. Ironically, because I know him. And I expect more out of you, Zay. Let me get back on the phone with the ox, you know, octa, you know, oxygenarian I was talking to, or whatever. I've got to go. I'm doing a podcast. What do you mean? Like, you know, I'm like, okay. So obviously I should have stayed on the phone. So I appreciate you, Zay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Hey, what year's that long sleeve Texas show? I like that. I've got like, I've got three of these. Uh this is uh uh, 
God damn it. Son of a bitch. Um, 2012, 2013, 2014, around there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can tell it's a little older, but it's clean. I like it. I mean, you can't see it now. I don't know what happened. All right. We're going to drop it in just a second now. This man and his technology problems. I just I, we figured I, it out. I thought BK went over there. We got all the wires right. We got the brand new Wi-Fi. But it's a camera problem. His apartment is built on an, an Indian burial ground or something that doesn't want people to be able to to zoom or to live stream. Apparently, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But uh, hey, as far as the big sports news of the day, there's not a ton necessarily, Zay, as uh, Kevin re-enters the picture. 2012, uh, 2013, 2014. I got three of them, buddy. Vinny Alcazar. For like, Trey will tell you, like half my closet when I worked at LHM was UT baseball gear. I'm a cheap yeah. son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> wow, man, that's smart to me. Shit. Yeah. Zay, on the ray, uh, way out, what is your confidence level for Texas hoops tonight in Lubbock? One to ten. One uh, being the least confident, ten being the most confident. Um, three. Yeah, three. That's not where I am too. Yeah, I was at a five, and then I saw head coach for Texas Tech Grant McCaslin passing out Kane's chicken to all those nut <laughs> degenerate students waiting out camping, and I was like, "Yeah, it just turned it up. It's a three now." So. Yeah, not not much confidence at all, if any. It might go down to a two later on, depending on how, my fe- how I'm feeling. I might have a shitty meal that might, you know, influence that a little bit. But, yeah, this Texas team, NIT, here we come. Oof. Hey, Zay, Zay, you do know, like, the NIT when they want it. Like, I think you of all people would love the 78 team. The 78 team was a ragtag group, man. That had different guys, whether it was Jimmy Crevax or the center who barely scored more points than a dead man, as Abe Lemon said. Um, he had some really good players like Johnny. Um, but like that, you know, the NIT back in the day was a big deal. You could win the NIT in the 70s and be one of the top 10 teams in the country. Right. Yeah, I remember those days, man. They had my yeah. guy Ron Baxter, which is one of my best friends. You know, I've known him my whole life. So, yeah, that, that's what solid dudes, man. They that's did go, go back. It's on YouTube. You can go watch the NIT final, too. And, Ron, boy, Ron Baxter was a roly-poly son of a bitch. And I mean that as a compliment, man. That guy could ball. Yeah. He was like he was like a little Charles Barkley. I was just about to say that, like yeah. a little Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have the athleticism like Barkley, but as far as stature – yeah, he, he can play, that. though. Yeah, lefty. Like, yeah, yeah, Ron can play. Obviously, Johnny Moore. Uh, I mentioned Crevax. You know, Crevax with AJ and maybe Perriman and a couple other guys is, you know, KD obviously is in there. Maybe the best three-point shooter of all of Texas history, but there weren't three-point shots back then. Jeez, man. I know. Yeah, well – 
We'll see what happens tonight, guys. Love but you. But they had mid-range games. Oh, that mid-range. <laughs> when basketball was great, that mid-range two-pointer. <laughs> Bob Cousy and Rad Arback were just manipulating their way through NBA and winning all these championships, even though Red Arback had hits on guys with the mob behind the scenes. But we don't talk about that, Katie and Trey. We don't like to talk about that because how great is that, Trey? That's right up your alley, dude. Oh, I love that shit. And how much have we evolved? Basketball is about to add four-point circles in the next couple of years. (laughs) I'd still watch, but that might be it for me. What do I I always say about any progressive movement? They're great, but they need an expiration date, or else grifters will take it to the end. Yeah, that's right. See you, fellas. Love you guys. I'll have a great show. You too, Zach. Dude, sorry, man. I was on the phone, and, and it was one of those where, you know, when you do what I do for a living, there are sometimes you can't get off the phone and be like, think of like grandma having, you know, leukemia. Well, I hope the person you were talking to didn't have leukemia. No, they just have a lot of money and one of them best. So <laughs> uh, it's all good. I'll be taking a 15 minute break here at the top of the hour to go get my kid from her uh, math. I feel bad, too, because I was talking with BK. I'm like, yeah, we all need to, you know, and I was like, I'm on the phone. I'm like, dude, I I can't get off. And I'm trying to, you know that weird deal where you're subtly trying to get off the phone with someone, whether it's someone you love or someone like this. And I've known this person for 10 years, really think that world of them. We're trying to explain stuff, as you know, with this and trying to get into stuff. And we're on, you know, trying to get on the computer with them. Like, are you on your Gmail? And it's just, you know. Was what it was. How are you doing, buddy? I am good. It's been a good day. Played some volleyball this morning. Did good. a show with BK earlier, doing a show with you now. And then a little bit later on, I get to go check out Tom Segura at Creek in the Cave. So I'm excited to see some really good stand-up in a tiny venue. It's one of the uh, the things that I enjoy doing most in this world right now. And we're in a stand-up mecca here in Austin, Texas, thanks to Joe Rogan and others. Yeah, we really are, and I, I like Creek in the Cave. That that was uh, that was a cool place. It was right next. No, to that's the, where you well, and I went and saw Louis C.K. Guy, you want to talk about a treat? Seeing Louis C.K. in that place was freaking awesome. Yeah, it was. And you, yeah. you had seen him probably countless times at the Comedy Cellar when you lived in New York, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen Louis. I saw probably saw Louis. I don't know, fifteen times there. Um, Jeez, you dude. I mean, I I lived across the street and then dated Nikita. Nikita was a bar manager there and Nikita and I, you know, we're friends that dated that we're friends after she, Nikita's one of the fucking coolest people. It reminds me, I got to call her, but, um, she was great. And so she was a bar manager. So, I mean, it was, it was Louis CK. It was Jeff Ross. It was uh, Greg Giraldo. And who else am I missing? There was one, my Hannibal Burst was on there a little bit, but there was one more. It was like, out of this world funny had patrice already died by then no patrice was there oh Pat- shit patrice and hannibal were like they wouldn't have been full time then it was, wow. it was yeah it was uh louis when i first got there louis geraldo jeff ross and shit i mean someone else who i've mentioned who's like big time um yeah it was crazy but i mean that was when like i was at cbs and she she called me and was like hey you know you need to come by her tonight. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm getting out right now. I'm about to get on the subway and head over. So we were in 
CBS was in uh, West Village, and and I lived in Central Village. And yeah, there are three different parts. Um, and it was like, all right. And so it was Dave Chappelle who played there for like, you know, two, two and a half hours. And then she was really good friends with them. So I just tagged along and went out with them afterwards. Didn't you say that he would play there sometimes for so long? And I say play, I mean, work material for so long that people would be walking out because it's two, three, four o'clock in the morning on a school night. Yep. Not me. <laughs> good. Good. I would expect nothing less. Yeah, that's one of those if Jordan wants to play pickup and I've got a meeting tomorrow morning, I'm going to go and swallow that one and deal with it. Be a little bit tired for the meeting. Sure. I think that's sound yeah. logic right there. Right. Or or just, you know, call and be like, hey, you know, I'm going to be at the meeting, but I'm not going to be here productive. So you guys run everything and I've got a great story after. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, uh, how much do you care about the Longhorns and Red Raiders tonight in Lubbock? How much do I care, or what kind of optimism do I have? How much do you care? Let's start there. I always care, man. Um, it's the last time we're going to play Texas Tech in basketball in a long time. Um, I remember Lance Hughes, Jason Sasser. I'm at my mom's place or out south, probably I'm 15, so it would have been 93, I think, maybe 94. And it was only on radio, and they beat us like in double overtime, and I'm listening to every single call. And that probably would have been Schoenig, whoever it was, um, who was a good play-by-play guy. And I remember just remember living and dying with it. I feel like every time we go to Lubbock, I feel like we're going to lose. So I, you know, I definitely feel that way this time. So I care. I think we're going to get probably killed and I don't trust this team. So that takes away some of the give a shit factor for me. What about you? Yeah, boy, thinking back on the history of these two teams, it does stretch back to the Southwest conference days, obviously, but my first real memory of Texas tech was as a student of Texas tech who went to see those two teams play. I think it was maybe even before. No, it was right when the uh, the supermarket arena, whatever the fuck it's called now, had opened up. So the arena was brand new, and Tech fans hated Texas back then, just like they do now. Maybe a little bit less than they do now. There have been some things that have added fuel to that fire, and it was only second to their hatred for Texas A&M. So it was amusing as an not even undercover Longhorn fan. I was an overt Longhorn fan, even though I was in school at Texas Tech for three semesters to just see how riled up they get with the Longhorns coming to town. But I had the pleasure of getting dunked on by future lottery pick, Tony Petit. Tony Petit, I was about to mention him. First year in Lubbock, it was Tony Petit and Rafer Young, Trey Young's dad, who was a great point guard for Texas Tech back then. We played them in pickup at the rec center. And they somehow ended up on the same team. I was responsible for guarding Ray for Young, which would as poorly as you can imagine. But at one point, they had a two-on-one, and I was the one coming back. And Rayford just threw a fucking oop up to Tony Batie. And I, I knew I was getting dunked on, but I went ahead and jumped up anyhow just so I could run back down the court saying, I got dunked on by a lottery yeah. pick. Yeah. I had that a couple of times playing with the UT guys at the top court at the Greg, you know, I was like, you know what, let me just let him fucking flush on my, let him just fucking hang his fucking nuts on the back of my neck. And I'll tell my grandkids about it. 
I know Chris Clack actually, uh, we're Facebook friends now. He friend requested me, which I'm like, fucking sweet, Chris Clack. I loved him. There was so so much pride in my heart back in the day when he was the first Longhorn, maybe the first Longhorn to ever make the McDonald's All-American game, but he was a part of that slam dunk contest too. I still, I still put him on such a high pedestal from those things, and he was obviously a great collegiate too. He was the second. Who was the first? Because it was him and Dewan Wagner, right? Chico Wagner? Yeah, and I, I've got kind of a foggy head right now. Not because I smoked any pot, just because I've just been up. And um, honestly, I need a nap. Um, but Tony Richardson, I believe. Longhorns, McDonald's, All-Americans. And I don't think they ever had that right, by the way. Let's see, I don't know. It's not obvious. It's it is not top of mind on the interwebs, in part because Texas basketball not totally obsolete, but doesn't matter as much as certain other sports. Let's go McDonald's all. Tony Watson, Tony Watson, who is who I'm thinking of. Tony really? Watson. He's McDonald's All American. And I'm almost positive, and I don't remember him being, but I've had people that really know their shit, Austin. Texas or Austin basketball people tell me he was Tony Watson was a high flyer, man. I remember that. I just don't remember him as a McDonald's all American, but I also wasn't paying close attention up to a certain point. I, I, I really don't either. And I would have been paying close attention, but, um, you know, he probably would have been 90 maybe, but yeah, Clack was the first guy. I mean, I'll never forget when Clack and Chico both decided to come here. I mean, th- that was a, you know, huge, huge fucking deal, man. And still to this day, the best high school basketball I've ever seen in Austin was when Anderson and Reagan went back and forth. Um, Anderson had, you know, shit. They had Clack, William Stringfellow and Russell Freeman. And then and then Reagan had Chico and a couple other good guys. But I went I went to both those games. I went two years in a row, but their senior year at, uh, at burger, you know, my dad took me that. So my dad, you know, very Chicago was used to going to high school basketball games. So he had no problem on a weeknight taking me there. One, once again, he always held grades over my head. He was very smart about that. So whether it was OBJ Reagan, we went to in football or any Westlake game, but Anderson Reagan, I had to have good grades to go. That was a reward. That's great. That's an experience versus some something with material value. I love yeah. that. That's great and he, parenting. And he knew what I wanted. I mean, Barrett Ingram, I think, was having wouldn't getting as good of grades as I was. And I was always just scared of my dad in general. And I wanted to do well. I was a self-starter and I, I wanted to win. So I wanted to get good grades. But 1990, that whole getting back to UT basketball, we were, you know, my dad had season tickets and he's like, and I think Barrett's dad did too. And he's like, you guys can go to every game, including every weeknight game, if y'all get straight A's. Mm. And he had to get straight A's, too. So, you know, I mean, we, we were, me more him, but we were lifting each other up. And I'm like, dude, you better get a fucking A on this, you know? <laughs> and guess what? We both got straight A's that semester. Hell yeah, good. I'm glad I'm glad That's you let parenting, the other down. Boy. That's good parenting. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's that uh, that that carrot and sticks approach, right? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they knew. I mean, they knew what we liked. So they were like, all right, we're, you know, we're going to get that done. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, so uh, you, you do care about this game. And I agree with you, by the way. The fact that this is their last trip to Lubbock with as hostile an environment as that's become, and CB just mentioned it on the YouTube comments section, that Tech fans have been camping out since Friday for this game. So you know there are going to be some angry, angry people looking to say ugly things to Texas hoops, but embrace the hate like you did a decent job of a few weeks back, a trip to Oklahoma. Did so with TCU as well. Not so much Houston, Kansas, BYU were were ugly trips. And ultimately, I don't have a ton of confidence in this team winning this game tonight. It's maybe a little bit of recency bias with how badly they got beat by both Kansas and Houston. And Texas Tech is not good as either as either of those teams. But I've also watched this Texas Tech basketball team control the game down the stretch and what was a close-ish game here in Austin to kick off conference play but ultimately the red raiders win that one going away by double digits they've been camping out since friday yeah are we sure it's for the game more like a homelessness issue no just being a tech fan ah uh that's possible i mean this is a group that is notorious for going into a field and burning a bunch of houses uh couches excuse me to celebrate easter each april are you serious? Yeah. I forget what they call the celebration, but yeah, it's a gathering in a field and everybody brings their old couches out there and everybody gets shit faced. And at the end of the night, they light the couches on fire. Wow. Very, that's very big 10 esque. And sadly it improves the air quality in Lubbock, especially when things are blowing East to West and you can smell the slaughterhouses on the outskirts of town. Jesus Christ, man. That is too much. Yeah, I mean, so I care, but I don't care because I don't think they're going to win. So, right. I mean, I, I, I care. I don't care as much because I feel like it's inevitable what's going to happen. Self-protective I, mechanism. That, that's where I am right now, too, by the way. They win this game, I'm going to be happy, but it still doesn't increase my expectations for what they're going to do in March. No, no. I mean, you know, we said it about a month and a half, two months ago when I finally started watching. Uh, like, this team's going to be up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And they, they have followed suit from that point to where you just really can't trust them. You know, I don't know where they're at. Um, I've seen on Twitter that, you know, there's, like everything, there's turned into two factions, you know, you either got Trump derangement syndrome or like, you know, you're MAGA. Uh, there's there's no one fucking no in between, you know. It's like, get rid of Terry right now. Or, you know, you're a racist. Terry's the guy. It's like, well, I mean, we should all be in the spot right now where we have no idea whether he's the guy or not. I, I think he earned the job and it'd be kind of hard to fire him right now, right? Terry? Yeah, I mean, would that be fair to fire him right now? No, no, no. It would take something really embarrassing off court for that to happen. So at the very least, he'll get another season. But if they end up missing the tournament, he will have a year to get things figured out. And if they miss the tournament for a second consecutive year, that'll be it for him. Yeah. Because if they miss the tournament for a second consecutive year, that will show that the biggest concern with him 
other than the track record and being a 500 coach at a couple of different places, but the ability to construct a roster every off season, which is the most important quality for pretty much every college po- uh, coach at this point, And was Chris Beard's uh, maybe most glaring quality in terms of how good he was as a head coach, going back to his days at Texas tech, Rodney Car- Terry fails at that for a second consecutive year then that's a basic quality that if you don't possess it, you can't be a head basketball coach for a major program. So I think you would see them make a change, but that's obviously a long ways off. And I think that he will get them back to a sort of relevance that does see them make the tournament, if not this year, next year for sure. But for them to do it this year, they either need to win one of two games on the road at Tech tonight or at Baylor next Monday, or they're going to have to make some noise in the Big 12 tournament. And to do that, you're going to have to beat a team that, worked you at least once during the regular season. You know, I've thought about this. I've never mentioned it, but Rodney Terry is one distinct quality, which really hurts him. Take a guess. One quality that really hurts him. One distinct quality that, that does not help him out. Uh, He wears glasses that were commonplace for people in the 1950s. No. Funny, though. Good. He is too sensitive about the horns down hand sign after his team gets upset by another shitty basketball team? No. I mean, I think he got some shit for that, but I think people deep down, you know, respect that he's just a good guy and doesn't like the world we're living in now. He is a good guy. That was also uh, that was also way too sensitive. Agreed. Agreed. And I think- uh, what what is the quality? Because I I truly don't know. He's black now. Um, that that helps him. I'm kidding. Um, his voice. Mm. Oh, the scratchy voice. <sighs> yeah, when you know it, it's so unfair. But like when he's got a full voice, he sounds hoarse. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of, a lot of being a coach is bullshitting and projecting to your to your audience and it just never, I mean the coaches show whatever I, I, he's hard to listen to. Is that a matter of him screaming too much throughout his life? You would assume so, right? But he doesn't strike me as a big screamer. I don't think he ever had a fully developed voice or whatever that is. And coaching has certainly not helped it. Rodney feedlots and slaughterhouses. There are slaughterhouses on the outskirts of Lubbock too, but yes, there are feedlots out there as well. All right, I need I need more of this today. I went back and rewatched some of our shows. And whether it's Gary, the the jack off, who hopefully is autistic. Gary, last week, if you're not autistic and you're sending texts like that, you're a fucking loser. You know, go sit on your mom's cock in, in her basement because I know you're down there. All right. Um, <laughs> I need I need less of you dealing with the fucking douchebags and dealing with the talent here. All right. Cause I, I I've laid some Carlin-esque fucking one-liners. And I can tell you're you're you know fucking around with Gary and Rodney and shit like that. I was I was off I, I was off my game last week. That's that's totally my bad. It was no, uh, you were um, right about Gary. I went back and rewatched it. I'm like, so you're you're you got two ways to go here, Gary. Uh, you're either autistic. I'm gonna get you all the factual stuff. <laughs> it's not a break. It's a fracture. Or you don't like us, and that's that's worse, man. You're three to five on a fucking Thursday, bro. And 
there's someone you don't like and you're texting that show, hate to say it, go and swallow the gun. Oh, that's a tough one. Yep. It right. is. Sorry, Jerry. Actually, don't do that. Go sit on mom's dick in the basement. <laughs> you have my promise that you will get more of my attention today than you did on Thursday. That's it is my bad. Ultimately, I allowed myself to be distracted and I just I, I was not paying enough attention to the uh to the brilliance going on with Thursday's three to five show. Yeah, there was some good shit there, man. I'm just saying we've been doing this long enough. Don't don't worry about them. I mean I know, but at least I at least I, I have I love the... Cooper and all them. They don't add that much. It's not like Cooter's fucking bringing in like onion style writing here. Even if I was a little bit distracted, which I was on Thursday. At least I had the courtesy of not faking it with a good story that you had told me and asking you to tell it again, which was embarrassing to have to do. That was me admitting that I'm not paying very I, good attention right yeah, now. I'm like breaking down. Like I'm crying here about Rick Barnes and my dad. And like, and Trey, I never told you. I never think, think my dad loved me. Barnes and I talked about it. It's like, yeah, you have to come again here, bro. Uh, didn't, didn't catch any of that. Um, I told you my my uncle molested me. And, <laughs> you know, all right, not a good drink, but bring it again. All right, bring it again, and bring it strong like your uncle. Oh man, you know I never got to bring this story up to you, but it's still somewhat top of mind for me because it's just hilarious. Because it's classic Austin and classic this idiotic ideology. Did you see what happened with Austin Parks and Rec like a month ago? where they had some DEI program that they were trying to institute that completely backfired because it turned out that it was racist, Kevin. I mean, I, there's just so much to unpack there. One, God, that sounds like a great show, Austin Parks and Rec. Yeah. Like, that would take, you know, and I only watched the, the, the one on NBC a couple times, but it was funny and, and it, it just gave you a lot of material. Two, can't believe Austin would do a DEI program. That just doesn't seem like them. Three, really shocking, a DEI program backfired. Continue. So the DEI program essentially sent out an email saying, hey, if you are a person of color who works for Parks and Rec, we want you to come to this gathering where you talk about your experiences if you are Caucasian, you are not allowed to attend. But if you are Caucasian, we want you to form your own meeting where you talk how you can be a better non-racist in society, which, hey, if somebody really is that racist in Parks and Rec, wouldn't it benefit them and maybe uh, gaining more empathy towards people who don't look like them by going and hearing the experience of those, the experiences of those who've ex who have gone through racist incidents to, to maybe have them come out more compassionate on the other side and they can share that experience with their, uh, their white colleagues that uh, are required to sit in a different part of the bus and uh, use different water fountains than everybody else in Austin parks and rec. Hold on. You're kind of breaking up on me here. I hope, hope ah, my shit. I know I'm hoping I'm okay here. Um, all right, so so Austin, Austin Park and Rec. So I'm going to have you repeat this shit. I mean, I, I, ca I caught most of that. Um, so what are they doing with them now? So there was an email sent out on January 25th that announced a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative that segregated non-white and white employees into different groups. 
The email, which was obtained by the statesman, announced the creation of two anti-racist affinity groups. By the way, if you hear the term anti-racist, you can take everything else being said by that group with a large grain of salt. Yeah. But it was forming two anti-racist affinity groups for a program titled Healing from Racial Trauma. This is Austin Parks and Rec, by the way. This is so far out of your fucking lane. Like, talk about this shit on your own time. If this is happening on on in actual work hours, this is even more hilarious. Uh, but unfortunately, according to uh, the spokesman for the city who had to apologize for this email, the message was inappropriate, does not reflect the values of the Parks and Rec Department. I apologize for the exclusion of employees in any space. The original email, which was sent to all Parks and Rec Department employees, announced an infinity space for people of color to share about our personal or professional experiences with racism, quote, to uh, cultivate a brave and safe space for attendees. We kindly ask that you do not attend these spaces if you are not a person of color. Another group was planned for white employees in which participants would, in part, share about their ongoing learning around anti-racism and explore their role in disrupting racism in and outside of work. Said he said in a statement, the intent of the email slash groups was not to be exclusionary. Well, it was but rather to provide a supportive environment for sharing their lived experiences and identify ways to improve the department's relational culture. Yeah, Let them talk on their own. Whitey, you don't need to be a part of that, you know, and and. I don't know, man. We're focusing so much on. I'm so sick of fucking identity politics and identity everything. Like, and the more we talk about it, the more it, it, it's not as big a problem in 2024. Not where we need to be. Moving in the right direction, though. And and this type of shit doesn't help, man. Um, you know, for people that want to take advantage of it, they can. For people, most people of color I know, uh, and white people don't want to like let's just fucking go work and we'll hang out with people we want to hang out with after work and ugh, i'm sick of it man i am sick of it dude i'm just uh yeah fortunately the statesman is also getting a little bit tired of it too and we're starting to see hometown papers Fight back on some of this stuff because the San Francisco Chronicle covered the woke kindergarten program that some idiotic elementary school in the Bay Area tried to institute two years ago to help math and reading scores. And you're going to be shocked by this, but it had the opposite intended effect. So in places where this shit is rampant, yeah, we talked about to the people in the media institutions to call bullshit on a lot of this stuff. And we are seeing more bullshit being called uh, by the organizations responsible for covering these things. So in a way, perhaps the silver lining is that uh, this story is being covered and talked about by even the statesman. Agreed. Agreed. Was that Kirk Bowles? Was that Kirk Bowles who did that uh, article? It was not Kirk Bowles. He's got some good broadcasting voice. <laughs> hey, so ESPN, somebody, speaking of people who live in their mom's basement, somebody for ESPN created a list of the 80 best college football quarterbacks in the 2000s. Yeah. 80 best college football quarterbacks in the 2000s. Yeah. Vince was three. Vince is one on that list, by the way. Totally objectively. And and I I am usually the guy who goes, make sure I don't give UT one. But I, you know, ask Bob Dunn. Vince is one. 
That's how I feel about it too. What is your argument that DY is number one best uh, quarterback in the two thousands? He was Jesus, but six five. No beard, no long hair. Yeah, six five. Didn't smell and ran a, and had a better forty. Um, no, I mean he he was that good. He had the high he had the highest highest pass, passer efficiency rating in 05. and he was that running. Yeah, and even before he got really good as a passer in 05, he was still insane enough, more, enough of a dynamic threat that he led them to the season that they had in 2004, too, which ended with a win over Michigan in the Rose Bowl. He would glide. He was like, it was like a, a, a dolphin. It was effortless. Fucking water. It was effortless. Also, do you remember the Kansas guy who came around here in Austin? And Texas is like at the 20-yard line. It's a typical Greg Davis. I don't know why he was dropping back. But he's dropping back, and this fucking outside linebacker defensive end has a clean shot on him. And Vince doesn't see him. Vince usually could feel that. That was the other thing. He could feel shit. He was like a cat. It's like, whoa, hey, I felt that rattlesnake there. Human would have gotten bitten. I can feel that behind me, though. And this guy fucking hits him in the waist. I mean, most quarterbacks, it would have been, Ken O'Brien or what we saw in the 80s, like a car wreck. And you see like the neck go up and shoulders go up, ball goes up. You're like, is he alive? He may have just fucking killed him. Hits him and slides down like a meathead who tried to tackle a snowman, but had been built around a uh, pole, you know, and like fucking slid down. It was Still to this day, out of the 80-yard run at Oklahoma State, all the crazy shit he's done, all the crazy physical stuff where I'm like, God, you are Jesus. Um, that one blew me away more than anything. Uh, yeah, could fly, was nifty, could shake people. He's, he's the best college football player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and that Texas offense, look, they had some good pieces on that offense. Don't get me wrong, but they weren't as loaded at wide receiver as a lot of people probably think in retrospect. A lot of that was the Vince Young show. And yes, he had good running backs behind him and decent receiving options, good tight ends with David Thomas, but it's not like he was thrown to a bunch of All-Americans. No, I mean, yeah, you're right at the point. I mean, so Billy Pittman was a really good receiver. Lima Swede was the big guy. Quan Cosby was actually the best probably of all been, but he was like the fourth guy. David Thomas would have been his best receiver. Yep. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was not probably at the time. I'm sure Texas fans then were like, well, I mean, Swede's going to be a first round pick. Nah. Um, he, but, he was like a third or fourth rounder. And then he ended up yeah. out of the league altogether shortly after that. Right. I'm just, I'm more mocking fans. And, yeah, no, you're right. Cause they probably, they're Texas fans now. They're like, we're going to have seven first-round picks this year. No, you're going to have one, maybe two, um, which is great. And you're going to have a lot of second-round picks, so we're happy. Um, remember, remember all the shit I took when I said Joseph Osai won't be a first-round pick? There were there were a lot of people who disagreed with that. I, I It's one thing to disagree, and I go, he'll probably be a third-round pick. And it's like, you hate Texas. I'm like, you're right, born and raised here. Got me. <laughs> Did you face? Uh, of course, you faced hostility for that. Texas fans are like every other fan base. They they, no, have, they are. I know, but I, I'm going to get on fan bases right now. Grow up. Be objective. Yeah, that's that's what you always are. 
When did he get to a fault? That's just what you are, regardless of whether it's your team or another team. You try to be objective with shit. I can't help it. I'm like that in my family, you know? Me too. Um, And where I'll say shit to my mom or dad, or I would back in the day, or my sister. And it's like, do you love us? Yeah, I do. I'm just, you know, get your shit together. Um, You love us. Holy shit. That escalated. When did when did Osai go? By the way, third round maybe. I never. I, I'm going to start calling people out for mea culpas. The Democrats have two years worth with me. Republicans have a lot of shit back in the day. Never got a mea culpa from the neocons. The Democrats have like 19 things over the last two years that are right in front of us. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need you to apologize for that. No, 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 You got to say you're wrong, please. Um, And then I may trust you. Maybe. Um, You got to fucking come back and admit when you're wrong. God damn it. I'm, I'm still waiting for a few COVID mea culpas, not holding my breath. Of oh, course, that's I would die. Actually, but how funny is that? Like to show both sides that. So Trump starts the whole fucking vaccine thing, right? And yeah. so so if you want to get on, hey, the vaccine was rushed, you can start there, right? Yep. Democrats said, do not take it. Do not take Do not take it. And then Biden, who's obviously really sharp, gets in. And they act like Biden was a chemist and got in there in two weeks and cooked up another batch for us. This one to be a little bit better. Trust me. And then they're like, oh, you can take it now. You can take it now. Actually, definitely take it. You have to take it. Who do they think we are? We remember, I mean, I, at least I remember all this shit. I remember all of it. Well, we're we're all prisoners of the moment is who we are. And there are a lot of people, unlike you, that don't remember that shit, sadly. Well, I'm going to bring it up every fucking podcast we do until election. <laughs> no, because I'm fucking sick of it, dude. I'm fucking sick of it. There's shit right in front of us that happened six months ago. And they go, we didn't say that. Yeah, you did. We got you on fucking film. It's fucking gaslighting. I'm glad we have a term for it because it's exactly what it is. It's it's revisionist short-term history. It is, but but they used to to not be as flagrant because they couldn't. Um, And I think because we had less information. So you remember it. And you remember three years ago the Republicans did that and said that? Fuck yeah, we all remember that. That was bullshit and lying, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, they only care about making money for a fucking military complex. And that's what happened there. Um, and now there's just so much that I think they can get away with it. Or they just think we're that fucking dumb. Um, but the libs have, libs, have, libs have been on a tear the last couple of years with that shit. Maybe it is information overload. Because back in the day, you had to read newspaper articles of, or had to have recorded something on VHS or uh, the early days of TiVo or DVR to go back and, and hear something or to find proof that something completely different was actually said. Like, the evidence exists. But even though there is plenty of video evidence or written evidence online that uh, something drastically different was said the first time around, you're right, they... They still just, it's that non-denial denial or the uh, the attempt to change short-term history, and it's allowed. By each side, too, by the way. Both oh, sides oh, are guilty no. of this. I right mean, now, it does feel 
like right. liberals, like Democrats are the guiltier side. I just continue to watch Republicans shoot themselves in the foot once they get an inherent advantage. It's like watching fucking Tom Herman lead a football program or something. No, it's like the Republicans will be like, get the ball at the nine yard line. And it's like, hey, you want to talk pro-life and get into the whole fucking abortion thing? Let's do it. All right, let's uh, back them up 30 yards. Um, you know, like they just, you know, you can say it's Supreme Court, but they, yeah, they continuously fuck themselves over. Um, yeah, of course, it's been both sides our whole life. And usually it's a side in power. But no, the Dems yeah. have some fun with that. Dude, we never fucking talked about the border. We we were we wanted to get down there the whole time. No, you didn't. Nope. Stop. Just stop. Like we, we fucking we've seen everything, you know. Just stop. Um now nah, they're both they're both awful. But we're never gonna get a third party. Um or, or a third party that's gonna do anything. Like we're you know, we just have to hold both their fucking asses accountable. Uh it's important to have these conversations to do that. And I just realized I'm running a few minutes behind and going to grab the kid. All right, buddy. Oh, Whoa. he didn't even want to say goodbye to us. I'll be back shortly. Goodbye. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel worthless to this conversation because my stance on politics is that I have no stance on politics. And uh. it's just that. I, I know no side will ever apologize and all the BS that y'all are talking about will continue until the end of time. So I just don't even let myself care, which makes me a vegetable. I'm willing to admit, but no, it makes you smart is what it makes you. And yeah. Trump, I was like that for 10 years in New York or Austin, then New York. I was like, I'm just out. I didn't vote. I didn't. I just, I just, you know, for the onion or other shit just wrote to mock them. Mm. Uh, I think you'll get to a certain age where you're like, fuck this this is important and there's little things but like i mean there's little things on both sides that i'd like to take i mean i'm very much an independent libertarian so you say socially i'm liberal now they would say no you're not I mean, you change the 50 yard line fuckers um hmm. but yeah I mean, there's little things in life that you need for me it's more fiscal shit but yeah they, they're both they're both lying sons of bitches so yeah i like i do my research and i vote um, I don't vote for I, everything. I vote last ten years, yeah, yeah. Like that's even though I like don't really keep up with it. I mean, uh, it's an election year. I'll watch the debates. I'll pay attention. I'll do some research on the candidates and try to come up with as educated of a decision as I can when it comes to that. But I just like and look this uh, to each his own. Like, and I know you don't spend your nights uh, sleepless because <laughs> of this type of shit. But for me, it's like I just. I don't even mess with it. Like there's, there's really nothing. I know this is such a loser's mentality and people hate people who say stuff like this. No, like, it's a realistic mentality. Is what that, that's the way I treat Like what I say, what I do, what I tweet, what I think is not going to impact the way politics in our country run. So I just, I just don't mess with it. Like, like I see all these commercials where it's like, Oh, if you just sit idly by, like nothing's going to change. If I tweet a bunch, nothing's going to change. Cause everyone's tweeting about this shit all the time yeah, and nothing changes. So it's like, I just, I, I once again, I don't focus on what you want to focus on, be my guest. But for me, it's like, I'll, I'll try to pay attention to stuff that I actually can impact or stuff that actually really impacts my life. You know, I would say the last two years with the Morgan and you were a huge part of that. And then what I'm doing now, like I haven't had time to even watch any of this shit. 
And you know what? It's been fucking glorious. Yeah. Even studying for tests at my age and other shit or reading books now nonstop, just trying to, you know, catch up on shit. Like it's been great not having to focus on it. And I'm kind of getting back into it now. Cause I'm like you, I mean, I'm not, some of the reasons I didn't vote back in the day is because I wasn't educated on it. And I think that's the most responsible thing you can do. Um, I also have a rule that locally, so any of y'all that have moved here, lo- and you can obviously do what you want, but I have I had a rule where I wouldn't vote in New York City for the first three to four years locally. Hmm. Nationally, you can vote, but locally I wouldn't. Yeah, just so you could learn more about the, city that you were living in and learn more about the people running the city you were living in kind of thing yeah it's called being an adult um you know the people that move into a new city or new area and vote right away locally who the fuck do you think you are i mean do you honestly fucking think that you have all the answers one you're probably moving here because you're not happy where you were and you're gonna bring that shit here Hmm. Go ahead and assimilate a little bit. I know that's a word that's never been used from anyone from California moving to Austin. It starts with an A. Actually, is it ass or is it E? Go ahead and assimilate um, and understand where you're at. And then maybe you can bring all your, you know, ideologue, idealistic bullshit or whatever. I mean, you know, just get used to a place and then go ahead and say, okay, now I think I know what needs to happen yeah that's fair that is fair i don't know how y'all got to this i I went to take a leak y'all were talking about the top 80 quarterbacks since 2000 and then boom i have no idea all right so (laughs) i I saw you put it out cam and then the other one like baker mayfield's not better than fucking goddamn vince young right no and cam cam i don't think is but that's a pretty close comparison and if you want to give me cam newton you can argue that, you know? Yeah, I put Cam ahead of VY just because, like, look, Vince uh, carried Texas in 2005. But, he is the team, though. Yeah, Cam Cam Newton, none of the other 10 players on that Auburn offense ever started a game in the NFL. Fair. So, and he had Gene Chizik. Like, we're not the biggest Mac Brown fans in the world, you and I, but, like, he, he's a great yeah. college football coach. He's a Hall of Fame-level college football it's coach. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's true, but Gene Chizik, like in that talent around Cam Newton on that Auburn team, uh, you know, it it was just one year Whereas Vince, it was two. So if you want to give Vince the nod, because he was awesome in back-to-back seasons, I know Oh four wasn't always perfect, but still led Texas to a Rose bowl. And then obviously you had the Oh five season right after that. And Cam Newton really just did it in that one year at Auburn. But for me, like that, that one year that Cam Newton did, uh, that Cam Newton had is is better than the year that VY had, just considering what was around them. Yeah, um, I, I that's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, that the two years is bigger than one, and sure. and all the people I talked to at UT, Vince always returned his laptop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess if you include the whole college career, you got to include the shit that happened at Florida and the fact that Cam had to go to Blinn for a little bit, which. Hey, winning a national title at Blinn, that might be point Cam Newton there. No, it is. No, I mean, I mean, Blinn's like one of these JCs in baseball. It's like, are they talented? It's like, dude, they'd be like 11th in D1 right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. I drive by Blinn, and I'm like, how the hell did 
or does anybody go here? But yeah, look, I, I think I've got a little Troy Aikman with me right now. I feel like sometimes when Troy is calling Cowboys games, he's like harsher on the Cowboys because he wants to make it seem like he's not biased in mm-hmm. favor of the team he spent his whole career with. I, got, I, I feel like that could be skewing my Cam Newton greater than VY take right now. I mean, I'm usually that guy too, man. And, you know, that's also where I always try and listen to buddies of mine. You know, I'll start with Bob Dunn, but people yep. aren't Texas first. I mean, if you ask Bob Dunn right now, is Vince Young the best college quarterback you've ever seen in your life from the 60s on? He'd say, yeah. Wow. So. Yep. I right. trust I trust Bob, Bob Dunn. Bob, Bob's not playing that game, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You you know I trust the hell out of Bob Dunn and his opinion on that. So, um, yeah. Look, but both of those guys should be ahead of of Baker Mayfield at the end of the day. I mean, it's. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? Like, I, I look. Baker Mayfield's individual numbers are great. The Heisman, the Heisman finalist, that stuff's great. He 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 can be in the top ten, but he can't be in the top one over a bunch of guys who won national championships, some guys who won championships and Heisman's like, not only did Baker never win one, he never even played for one KD. No. And also, I mean, how do we want to break this down? I mean, is it the guy I definitely want or is it best college quarterback? Cause you know, who's, who's probably better than Vince or right there is Tommy Frazier. Nah. If you want to get into best college quarterback, um, now is that the guy I'd take? No, because I want someone who can really throw the ball. Um, so I may take I may take fucking Trevor Lawrence, to be honest. Yeah. Or yeah. Joe Burrow for one year if we're doing that and I'm running that scheme, you know. Yeah, Burrow's number five on this list. By the way, this this list started in two thousand, so no Tommy Frazier on it. So I don't know exactly where where he would fit in. If we're doing an all time list, I, I would assume he's in the top ten somewhere, but Eric Crouch on there? Uh, yes, forty nine. But I, I don't know if that's because some of his career was before two thousand. I, I maybe. Um, but he won the Heisman in two thousand, didn't he? Oh boy, yeah. He he's got bad passing stats. He did. It was awful. But yeah. I'm t- talking about a college quarterback and a winner. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. It almost feels like the criteria is just different, different throughout this list, right? Like, yeah, for some of these numbers, it's like, oh, we're looking at individual stats. For some, it's looking at accolades. For some, it's looking at wins. It just doesn't feel like the the writer of this story was that consistent with how he well, did this. And you know, this is where I get really anal. And God, I, I'm just gonna get worse as I get older too. I mean, I was bad at ten years <laughs> old. Which I was actually probably worse at ten. Because I was talking down to their 10-year-olds like they should know what the hell they're talking about. But I'll never forget Blake Holcomb, freshman year in high school, walking by. And he's like, uh, these guys are arguing sports. I go, what are you guys talking about? He goes, I'm telling them Terrence Rincher is going to be a first-round pick. I go, you're fucking high, dude. I go, I love Terrence Rincher. He was like my favorite player. I was like, you think he's going to be a first-round pick in the NBA? He's like, yeah. I'm like, not going to happen. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, but I, I just feel like on some of this stuff, just know, know what you're talking about. And especially for the younger people, I had a really good follower on Twitter who was talking about Vanderbilt and for him, it's a blue blood. Vanderbilt made their first 
CWS in 2011. They've been to five. Now they've won two and they're doing it with 28 plus scholarships because they're fucking deal. Vanderbilt's not a blue blood. And it's like, well, but since I've been following college baseball, they've been a blue blood. Well, you know, just a reminder to your generation, especially. Life started before your dad came and your mom. Well, yeah, my older sister exists, so. I know, I know it started a couple of years before me, but before that, that's clearly the first time my parents had sex. They have four oh. kids. They've, they've only had sex four times. That uh, That's true. Only, only. <laughs> and had sex since. They cut it off. They cut it off. Yep. They didn't want to risk having a fifth, so they cut it off altogether. And that is his off, but they cut it off. <laughs> they cut that's, it off. That's the millennial mindset in a nutshell, right there. And it's getting worse with Gen Z and whatever the hell is coming after Gen Z. It is. And 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 look, there was some of our generation that was like that. I, I was never built like that. I cared more in 1988, I cared more about 1790 than I did in 1988. Like, you know, I just, I cared more about that time, but, and by the way, I hate to even bring that up because the, I, I follow this guy on Twitter. He's a good fucking dude. And, and he didn't mean it that way either. Yeah. There, there, there was one of those like a Vanderbilt thing and said, what do you think of when you see this logo? And he goes, blue blood college baseball. And here I come to, you know, slap the dick out of his mouth, you know, ruin the fucking party, um, you know, but. Yeah, let's just remember, like, life life started before all of us, or, or before whatever. So I got into cooking in, in the 90s, let's say. Well, cooking was around before then. Yeah. Life doesn't start when you get into something. It's true. That is true. <laughs> PK's like, get me the hell out of here, dude. Well, my alternative, I'm about to go lift weights, so I think I'd rather be here. Uh, are you yeah. doing um are you doing like what i'm doing right now you're just trying to get back in doing like resistance training pretty much i don't know i'm going i'm trying to hit the gym like three times a week so i'm not going to sit here and act like i'm i'm trying to be you know get super big or super in shape but three times trying, feels good man yeah i just try to do enough to where i you know don't turn incredibly fat in my 30s so that's you the look goal. Good. thank you're you looking, you're looking pretty swole I'm the big man, like Bucky. Actually, no. Gotta, gotta stop wearing the uh, the baggy t-shirts, though. You gotta you gotta start wearing the schmedium so you can show off your form. All right. Oh. Now, at at the gym, I am long sleeves and baggy clothes. Always look like Adam Sandler getting ready for a pickup game. <laughs> That's the look. I, I I get embarrassed in there if I'm going tight clothes with some of the other dudes who lift religiously. So, no thanks. You look like a fat girl at a Purdue game. <laughs> so just a girl at a Purdue game. <laughs> All right. Yep. I'll be listening at the gym, boys. All right, buddy. Later, brother. Everything go all right? Yeah, everything's fine. It's funny because uh, Vivi is very bright, as you know, and as we've talked about on this show. And she also desires to do a bunch of different stuff that challenges her. It's awesome. She's got that natural self-starter abilities in her, which is a quality that you and I both share too. But we're getting near the end of the um, Math Olympics season with a an actual competition in Austin 
the first weekend of May, I believe. And she's over it. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, well, you've signed up, you've committed. So you got to follow through on that commitment. If you don't want to do it next year, you don't have to do it next year. And so there's a, an ebb and flow with her attitude towards doing math P, but today was a good day for her. Apparently she got a good partner and she feels like she got a lot of answers, right? And so we're a step closer to the end of math Olympics season. She's actually in a, a reading competition. I didn't even know they had these things, but apparently they do in modern elementary school, a reading competition with other schools in the area where these kids get together on Thursday and everybody reads, I guess there's maybe uh, questions that they're having to answer afterwards too. I mean, I've I didn't even consider such a thing, but she's so smart that she's in all these different types of intellectual competitions. She is spelling bee, math Olympics. I wouldn't have liked either of those. The reading competition I would have liked because I naturally read. So, I mean, that, that would have been one of those. I'm like, I compete in that, you know. I actually liked math up to a certain point, but for whatever reason, I never, geometry never made sense to me. Yep. And then I got to the end of my high school time as a pretty good math student. And I started taking calculus classes and I'd already gotten automatic admission into Texas. So I just cheated in my AP pre-calculus or AP calculus, I forget which it was. Right. I got hot cheating and literally got kicked out of class. And my desk, I would have to, every day I would have to go into the classroom, drag a desk just outside the classroom and do my work out there. Well, this class was during lunch and we had four lunches, four lunch periods during the, the lunch slash class period. So I would get my desk out there and I would go to three lunches and I would come back for the final lunch. And I had buddies who had classes that allowed them the flexibility to literally drive from Carrollton to downtown Dallas to go to lunch at times. So we'd go to Hooters or Dick's Last Resort or another restaurant down there and think we were these fucking cool kids. I mean, we're still high school losers, but uh, we had these extended lunches because of various situations, including me getting caught cheating in calculus and getting kicked out of the class altogether. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I was ne- I was never once math got to like yeah, I mean pre cal was like this is not not my game at all. Um, but I'm I'm really proud of her, man. I'm just proud of the proud of both your kids, dude. Cal- Calvin Moore, because like I worry about little boys. He's such a fucking sweet kid. He's smart and he's gonna be he's gonna be a fucking winner. Um, but Viv Viv is just like you know she's also older. So, I mean, she's just kind of taking that just feels like she's like really getting involved in stuff and in a good way. And I like the fact she's trying stuff out. And yet you and Justine are just like my parents. I mean, I was involved in a bunch of shit, too. And there was shit. I think it was soccer um, when I was a kid. And I'm like, you know, I hate this. And and I was scoring goals because remember soccer at that age, like if you're athletic, there were just a bunch of kids doing this, you know, looking underneath their fucking legs at an anthill, you know, and there were just so many uncoordinated kids. Cause everyone that's, that's like the place where like kids that like, were never going to play any sports parents just stuck them there. And so well, the parents are trying, they're trying to get the kid inspired to do something athletically. I I, I don't know totally, if there's yeah. the right entry level sport for something yeah, like that, I, but bullied them like I did, but I didn't know. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but I, I was doing well in it, but I'm like, but I was like, Hey, you may have a future in this. I'm like, I hate it. 
Like, no, I don't. Um, yeah. And but it was always you got to finish the year off, man. Ooh, got to finish the year off. Yes, you do. That's uh, that's a very basic level of playing sports. Is that even if you hate the sport, finish out the season. You don't have to play the sport again. But you made the decision to enter at the beginning. It costs money, and it's also you making a commitment to your team, and so you follow through on that commitment, and then you figure something else out if you don't want to play that sport anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Um, kind of, kind of how it rolls, um, and that that's the way it should be. And and look, I mean, I, there are some things that come into play where you you know it's not like my senior year or going into my senior year when I had cancer. And it was like, you know, hey, you made a commitment, kid. Got to finish this one out. Bold, no red blood cell count or not. You got to no. I mean, they're, they're in outside. That's an extreme example. There are things that come up. There's excuses. Yeah. Stop bullshitting a bullshitter, right? Hey, um, I, I, I'm, I know I was late, so I'm cool to go a little bit long. Do you want to do a, an ad or two here? Uh, yes, I cannot go long today because I've got to get downtown for that show, but I will do some ads while you take care of a couple of things on your end. Yeah. Yeah, if I can remove the right person from the studio here. And this is the uh, the three to five show. I'm not calling it Longhorn Misfits anymore, I guess. He didn't like that name. I thought it was a decent name, but whatever. No big deal. And yeah, you are going to hear from our sponsors now, starting with Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous Hill Country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Thank you to the great people at Covert B Cave, as well as Tom McKay and Audiovisual Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual Consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. Or online at avconsultations.com. That's right. Love Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations. Also a big fan of Big Hat Spirits, Big Hat Cocktails in a Can. And Big Hat Spirits is not the first to do the cocktail in a can concept, but they are real uh, redefining how that process goes. 
I can get to my script here. They have uh, been doing so for a little while now. And in doing so, they are not only offering up a bunch of great flavors, but also low in BS. They are, there are no syrups that go into these, no added sugars, no gluten. They're non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits. And they are all about... Uh, being inspired by legends and uh, honoring those legends as well. There are different legends on every can. Everyone from Quan Cosby to Daryl K. Royal, Gary P. Nunn is on that list. Shiny Ribs, Lightning Hopkins, uh, Django Walker. You heard Kevin asking about that last week. Yes, Django is one of those legends honored by Big Hat Spirits. The cocktails in a can. Now I'm going to encourage you to go to their website, BigHatSpirits.com, not just to find out more info, but perhaps most importantly, if you scroll just past the top of the webpage there, you'll see a map of Central Texas, a bunch of Big Hat icons on that map. Click the icon that's closest to you, and you'll find the store closest to you that sells Big Hat Spirits, that cocktails in a can, BigHatSpirits.com. And uh, also wanted to let you know about my friends at Pest Wranglers. That's right, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. They have been doing it since 2006. In that time, our buddy Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, established a motto, effective, reliable, affordable. There was a secondary motto. It is, we love you, the customer. They provide exceptional customer service, as evidenced by plenty of five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. And right now, we are in the preseason let's just say for mosquito season yeah it is warming up which means the mosquitoes are soon to follow pest wranglers offers an eco-friendly treatment that does not target bees or butterflies and is non-toxic to birds and mammals that includes that dog sniffing around the backyard it's effective for up to a month it kills mosquitoes that transmit all sorts of diseases and also works against insecticide resistant mosquitoes too kills adults and prohibits larvae from maturing it is field validated with a ton of scientific research they also offer a conventional mistreatment for fast knockdown to help with a party let's say that's coming up a backyard party next weekend or next couple of weekends pool parties as well and both of the treatments do not have that horrible odor that sometimes comes with mosquito treatments. It's also wallet friendly too. Uh, usually under a hundred bucks per month. No contracts as always because of that customer service. Find out more and to get yourself on the schedule, go to pestwranglers.com. I think you I good? Have, yeah, I think I have a brain tumor. Oh boy, that's not good. Yeah, let me get me out of here quicker. Um, uh, come on, come on. I want you here for a little while longer, at least. Yeah, I've been having serious headaches on the, my left side for for a little while, and I don't know if it's the back of my tooth deal. I need to go see Eckert, but it's it's starting to cause some serious issues, like do my you, eye and everything. Do you ever uh, hold the cell phone up to your ear? Usually, I I do speakerphone, but I mean sometimes I have to. Yeah. Is it normally on that side or the other side? It's usually on this side, the other side. And and I, it's not a brain tumor. I think it's ENT. It's just a lot of my, I mean, I need to figure out a way to, to get all, I can't, I can't be dealing with allergies like eight months out of the year. And I think that's a lot of it because I'll blow, end up getting snot out and it releases the pressure. So. Mm. Yeah. that I, I hate that for you. As somebody who's an Austin lifer, you'd think that your, uh, your body ultimately finally does adjust to the terrible allergies here, but that's not the case. You have allergies worse than just about anybody I know too. Yeah. And and I didn't have allergies for the first 20 years here. Um, really? 
Yeah, I know. Austin, is, it's the other way around. The longer you're here, the, the more they're going to get worse for most for a lot of people I know. I've somehow dodged that because I used to have bad allergies and that is not the case anymore. So I need to knock on some wood right now so that doesn't start up. But like Justine deals with them. My kids might be dealing with them in uh, smaller ways, although I do wonder if that's just sicknesses that they're picking up at school. But I'm, I'm in the minority of people that, uh, that do not deal with bad allergies in this city. That's that honestly, it's one of the worst qualities about living in Austin. Yeah, it is. Um, Evan, our buddy, is it just he's been there for like 15 years and he is like he is dying with him right now. Um, Damn. and yeah, he got him. And I'm he's like, you know, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, bro, they're not going anywhere. Like, you need to you need to find ways to deal with it. And so I'm trying to find ways to deal with it. But, um, but yeah, um, hey, UT baseball, man. Uh, we talked, you know, there were like four games in last time we talked, I think. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's Cal Poly, so it is what it is. It's a California team, even though not a great one. So it's not Milwaukee, Wisconsin coming in to shut them out. Like, I'm seeing some stuff that I really like. Uh, and I didn't know personnel-wise, but, you know, dude, it's a fun team to watch. And and I'm I'm – tepidly bullish on them we'll see about we'll we'll find out more this weekend what do you like about this team i like they've got more bats than i thought i mean would i rather have gavin cash at first base and thomas in center and jack odad off the bench yeah i would um but so i i i'm one of those people i can't get over that um but i i like i like you know whether it's baloo who looks pretty good flores is is really turning into something. I like D Kennedy, obviously Powell and Thomas. I love um, Ryan Galvan, who is a big recruit is hit the shit out of the ball and catching well. And then you've got the Aggie Schluser or whatever to, to back him up or to be a part of that. Um, I, I, I like this team. I mean, they, they've got some guys, Porter Brown's not even hitting right now and neither is Odell, but Brown, I expect to hit and offensively, I, you know, I like what they're doing. They still don't run the bases well. There are still basic fundamentals that that trip me up that are going to piss me off. But it's a talent. It's a more talented team than I thought. And the biggest thing is they may have more arms than I thought. And so, I you know, they, they were fun to watch this weekend when I caught them. And um, really hoping they can go beat LSU on Friday. Win two out of three this weekend. And that's a big, big win. Yeah, look, even if the uh, the team that they played last weekend isn't very good, to completely shut a team out in a series is impressive. Yeah, right, exactly. And they got 40 guys or 40-something guys from California. I don't care if they're lower range. Like, they've got some guys you can play. To shut them out was was nice. And they've got some bullpen pieces that I just didn't know about. I don't think anyone did. And they, you know, they've actually shown me some stuff. Yeah, they got LSU. Texas State, funny enough, for the Astros Classic uh, this weekend, and then Bamberville. So they've got two top ten teams, and and go from there. You know. Yeah, we uh, guess we'll see this weekend, or you you guys will see. I will uh, I will be paying attention after the fact by looking at box scores and reading reading. Well, some- LSU game is going to be, I believe, on MLB, the Friday night game. Oh, is MLB Network showing college games? That's a good move by them, especially this time of year. They should. Yeah, I mean, they they, they showed, like, uh, 
some HBCU games, which nothing against that, but I mean, I really don't, you know, unless Ricky Weeks is playing for Southern or Andre Dawson's playing, then, uh, you know, I'm not totally up my, up, up my alley, but they're showing some stuff, which is good. And you're exactly right. They, they should be doing that a lot more, especially with spring training games now. Go, go ahead and show some college ball. Otherwise, if you don't have MLB Network, apparently the games are available at Astros.com and YouTube. So there are options for watching the games this weekend. And then the next game after that is a Tuesday affair with AM here in Austin at the Dish on LHN. I think BK and I are going to go out there for that. I may be running a camera for that one. There's no reason for me to be in front of the camera with a microphone in my face talking about Texas baseball. But, yeah, that'll be a good duo, you you two, talking about yeah. this matchup. Yeah, and honestly, like, I mean, I, I had COVID for the last one, but I couldn't have told you much about the team. You know, I mean, I, I'm just not, you know, I need to see him first, and we're seven games in, and I've got a better feel, but we're going to get a much better feel this weekend, kind of where they're at. You don't need to run, run the camera, man. Run, run the train. Run the train. What train? Run a train. We're running the train. Uh, you know, we're uh, I'm, I'm a married guy now. There's no more trains. You know, there were trains back in the day? Where was no, that? There actually, there, no, there actually weren't trains back in the day, but the possibility is now completely <laughs> gone. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> How is family life? Uh, family life's going well. We're in full swing of sports season, as I think I may have mentioned last Thursday. Volleyball starts this week, which I'm excited about. My One of my kids' soccer team got completely disbanded because we had a roster of six. Most rosters are supposed to have eight to ten, and two, one of the kids is going to be out of the country for the entire month of March, and the other kid wants to play with a friend on a different team. So team itself got disbanded, which I'm okay with because I was about to be forced into coaching this team just because nobody else was stepping up. But volleyball is coming up. Last week of basketball, Vivian's team, which I'm an assistant coach for, is going to be playing for a championship on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, spring break is just a week after that, as is the start of South by Southwest. So South by, I know I'm, I'm weird with this as a resident of this city, and if you're a resident of Austin, you hate South by Southwest. I'm an exception, though, in part because it plays into my desire to have conversations with uh, with people and in some cases fuck with people on red carpets. But South by is one of my favorite times of year. So I'm currently working hard to try and book good guests for the radio show, the podcast and for uh, for this these programs too here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We'll see what I come up with. What's a kid doing? A kid's out all of March. What is parents loaded? They're like in Europe. She is Indian, I believe, or the family is Indian. So my guess is that they're going back to where the parents are from for a full month. And that includes that spring break week. So it's less of a burden for the kids or kid who are having to miss school. Yeah. Of course, there's another three weeks. She's probably already three weeks ahead of all the other kids anyway. I mean, look, I, my kids are at a good school right now. It's a highly rated school and I see some of the stuff that they're asking them to do. And it's just like, this is remedial. This is like watching the NCAA operate where they're five years behind on things. It feels like grade levels have gone down to grade levels. So my 
seven-year-old who's in second grade, it feels like some of the stuff they're asking him to do is what was kindergarten or preschool level stuff for us back in the day. Third graders doing kindergarten level stuff. Assuming that just that track just continues all the way through 12th grade. And then if you get to college, who knows what the state of college is going to be in 10 plus years. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. I'm like, wow, three weeks, man. She didn't beat Viv in the uh, spelling bee, did she? No, Viv was the youngest remaining kid in the round that her and several others ended up eliminated. Like it was 10 people left and Vivi was the only third grader that was left in the competition. It was all fourth and fifth graders other than her. And so this kid is also, I actually don't think they go to the same school. So there's a chance she won her spelling bee wherever she goes to school. But uh, no, there were no other kids her age that made it that deep into the spelling bee. Hey, when's the combine? I do love how, I mean, I haven't had much time at all, but when I have just flipped on sports stuff, all the combines, combine stuff now, it's, you know, it's so funny. It's like, <coughs> it's like local media. It's like, or not local media, national media. They don't want to talk about Biden because it, it's, you know, it goes against what they're rooting for. Um and, you know, I just don't see the NBA coverage. I know they want to get into it and probably college basketball, but they've realized now the last five, 10 years, no one gives a fuck, um, certainly about the latter. So I'm seeing so much, I feel like more combine stuff now. And I this week, I was like, oh, it has to be this week. I've seen nothing but articles about it. And was it next week? It starts on Thursday. So apparently... Okay. GMs and coaches are there right now. And so there's a lot of media stuff going on with that. But the players themselves start testing, and I have no idea what the first groups are on Thursday. But it starts on the 29th of February and then goes through Sunday maybe. I feel like they've stretched it out to a three-day event. Didn't the combine used to just be a day or two? Yeah. 15, 20 years ago? The NFL's realized to stretch everything out. The draft used to be a day, man. No, uh, you're right about that. The draft could afford. And the draft to, was like 11 rounds in. Remember 11 or 12 or something like that. Yeah, the draft could could afford to dial things back just a little bit. I don't know if you give teams less time in the first round, but get through the first two rounds on night one and go three through seven on day two. That's not going to happen. I mean, that's asking the major league baseball season to dial the regular season back to a hundred games. I mean, it's uh, it, it is already to this point. There's no way you're go- going to uh, re-ravel that now. It's like trying to re-ravel a roll of toilet paper. That's uh, that has become undone for like 12 to 15 feet. What I've talked to right. It's what I've talked about with the, ter- with the playoff for 25 years, like legislation at some point early on, you and I realize this, legislation never goes back the other way on shit like that. No, you never dial it back. You never go, you know what? Yeah, we went too far. We should go back. Yeah, but we're going to lose some money on that. I don't care. It's the right thing to do. It's the best thing for the product. They don't do that. Um, I will say this though. I'm like college football with you. I want more. I'd turn the draft into a week event and I'd be happy Mm. with it. Let's go 12 rounds and instead of the UDFAs and let's just blow this shit out. Yeah, you are. You stay locked in through day three. By day three, I'm just like, I will check updates on my phone. I do not need to sit in front of the television watching this shit. 
Well, usually, I mean, the last couple of years for work, I had to because we had guys who were getting That's drafted true. or UDFAs. So that was my job. Yeah. Um, but so I usually am not like as locked in on the seventh round as I have been. We'll see this year. This this year will be a good test. But yeah, I'm into it because I know them. It's the whole thing that they were the NBA's fucked up, dude. Like the yeah. NFL was free advertising, free marketing for three years with their feeder system. Not, I mean, everything's better about it. We've got, you know, we're giving our teams, all 32, a better chance in as much time as possible to look at the landscape and the recruits and see if they're going to work at Goldman Sachs. Um, they may not, and you may have some busts, but we're giving you as much information and substance to build off making a good decision. Um, oh, yeah, and also they're really known. So that's why... I mean, the seventh round of the NFL draft means a hell of a lot more than the first round of the NBA draft to me. You know why? Because there's a much better chance I know more of them. Yeah, speaking of the NFL draft, having used to have been 11 rounds, the NBA draft used to be, what, like six or seven rounds also? Yeah. I vaguely remember that from like the late 80s, early 90s, and then at some point they cut it down to two rounds and you started getting more guys who are going the uh, undrafted rookie free agent route on the professional side. And then the uh, high school influx happened and then one and done. And well, the sport on the professional and collegiate level has not been the same since. No, it is not. Um, so we got Texas St. John's tonight, then Texas and uh, tech. Don't feel good about that one. Um, Texas St. John's in baseball? Yeah. Okay. St. John's has some history, man. Really? Yeah. Is that this is the uh New Jersey St. John's? Uh well, New York St. John's. Oh, is it New York? My apologies to uh St. John's. I didn't mean to lump you in with New Jersey. New York is a much much better option for you. Yeah. Well, now maybe not. But yeah, yeah traditionally, yes. Um, no, they had uh I was getting into it this morning. Um, on Twitter, you know, John Franco, Frank Viola, both pitched there together. Hmm. They got to Omaha three or four times in the early eighties. Like was Franco a reliever on college or was he a starter back then? He was a starter. Okay. So I became a reliever with the Mets. You know, Viola won what? 87 world series MVP, 88. Yep. Yeah. So you'll love this. So I saw both those guys with some other Met in Chicago. Some other Met, okay. You know, right next to Giordano's off that area, Huron, and, and right near John Hancock and the Golden Triangle? Yeah. There was some burger place. My Aunt Nancy takes Michael and me there. And they walk in, and I would have been, I don't know, 10 9, 10, 11, and they walk in, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, that's John Franco and Frank Viola. And the Mets are obviously in town to play the Cubs. And they recognized it right away. And I probably shouldn't have done this. My Aunt Nancy was always just let us do whatever. And I think she goaded me into it, too. She's like, you know, go get their autograph. And they just sat down, so they weren't eating. And we were like, about to be done so we weren't going to stay so i'm like hey I hate, to, hate to bother you guys but big fans can i get an autograph you know and it was either i think viola who's a total cocksucker 
looks at uh, Franco and was like, I told you, I saw him right away. And I was like, all right, guys, I don't need the, like, no, we'll sign it. I'm like, all right, thanks. Fuck y'all. You know, I didn't say that, but I'm like, you know, you fucking New York cocksuckers. See, you're you're at the right age where you can get away with going up and asking for an autograph. You're not some loser adult doing so, but yeah. that's, that, that's a shitty response by Viola. Fucking shave no. your mustache, you creep. No, that, that, yeah, and, and both those guys, you know, I mean, shit, they probably pay Russian women to recognize them now. Um, I mean, who the fuck would recognize John Franco or Frank Viola? <laughs> Fucking twats. <laughs> depends on if viola still has that pedo mustache yeah that pedo mustache and that that you know curly hair which may have been may have been in the 80s it looked like a fucking wig under his hat it really did it looked like there was a wig stapled to his baseball hat that's how goofy that hair was yeah i remember i remember seeing that autograph like years ago and i just ripped it up i'm like fuck y'all i don't fucking want you it's not worth anything and fuck you i don't want to see that Frank Viola, let's see. He is... Probably dead now. I'm going to have to not take anything back. This cannot be the same fucking Frank Viola. There's no fucking way. All right, give me a picture here, because Frank Viola... This Frank Viola has a a website called Beyond Evangelical. Nope, it's a different Frank Viola. Damn it, that would have been so Uh incredible. Uh, I don't know where current Frank Viola is. He was a hell of a pitcher, though. Oh, yeah, he was. As the World Series MVP and the Cy Young would attest to. Yeah, right. I mean, but did not overpowering stuff as a lefty, but really could could change eye levels in and out, up and down. Um, and obviously, Franco had a had a great career as a reliever. I mean, he was no, you know, Jesse Orozco or Sid Fernandez, but uh, but I'll take it. He was yeah. actually he was actually better, but I, Jesse Orozco was my favorite dude. Oh, Jesse Orozco, that guy was a mean motherfucker. Yeah, L- you know, lefty felt like submarine, more sidearm, but really would dip down. Yep, that's right. God, man, that that whole roster was fun. I used to be a Mets fan back in the day. You just jogged my memory on this. What was the channel that they were on nationally back in the mid-1980s? Because I would go over to a friend's house when we still lived in San Antonio, and they would get Mets games. I was like, what the fuck? Really? Cubs games on WGN. I didn't realize Mets games were on, but they were New York natives who rooted for the Mets over the Yankees, and so we would watch that. And so They may have had it. They may have had a satellite, dude, because the only two national teams were the Cubs and the Braves. You may be right about that, but like Wally Backman, Howard Johnson, Kevin Mitchell, Doc Gooden, of course, Daryl Strawberry, Gary Carter. What's that? Ray Knight, Kevin Elster. Ray Knight, yes, and Elster. Yeah, oh, Elster was a dirtbag. Wilson, Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, Strawberry. Uh, Dykstra, Mitchell. Yeah, man. They could fucking go, dude. Yes, they could. A tame Kevin Mitchell. Well, not really that tame of a Kevin Mitchell because we found out some shit after the fact, too. But really a a young Kevin Mitchell, I guess I should say, before he uh, really made a name for himself as a just a cold-blooded killer in more ways than one. Yeah, fuck him. Um, Do you have a, a story with Kevin Mitchell? 
No, he killed the cat, though. So anyone that kills a cat, I, I root to die at all times. He did kill a cat. Skinned a cat. A lot, I mean, right? He pulled the Baylor Bear bit, or maybe the, those Baylor Bear players pulled a Kevin Mitchell bit. Maybe they did. Kevin Mitchell and Will Clark, I saw some stat the other day on MLB. It's like they were talking about Judge and Soto and guys that finished, I guess, one tour in the – MVP voting or, or had some metric that they were like two of the best players, you know, in, in the game at that point um, that actually made the World Series. And you forget Kevin Mitchell and Will Clark, 88, man, or 89 against my Cubbies. Yeah, that's right. Then that was the precursor to the uh, to the Bay Area series, right? Yeah, with the earthquake. Earthquake was an 89 too. That is correct. Uh, Michael C., I don't know why I look like I'm being interrogated right now. I am having a really hard time with lighting in this room over the last couple of days. It's either super fucking bright outside and the light is bouncing off of the white brick that makes up the outside of our house or it's overcast like this and I don't have the blinds opened up enough. So it looks like I am being interrogated by the police. Oh, you have some questions that you wanted to ask me, Michael, about crimes that have occurred? In and around the city over the last couple of days, I'm happy to tell you where my uh, about my whereabouts. So, do you have two uh, stories like that? I, I totally forgot about it till today. I was like, "Oh fuck!" I saw Viola and Franco. Um, do you have any stories like that? You ran into like someone like that and tried to get their autograph, and they were just dickheads about it. I will say this: like for the little time. The few times I'm maybe recognized, I was at uh, Walgreens a month ago, and this woman came up to me. And was like, you know, older woman, really sweet. She's like, you know, excuse me. She's like, are you Kevin Dunn? I go, yes, yes, ma'am, I am. She goes, I just want to tell you, I'm I've been such a big fan of yours, and you know, loved you here, loved you to LHN, and and I go, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Not that I would have been a dickhead, but like that always stuck in my mind. Those two guys, so I kind of appreciate that, like whether I was tired or, you know, whatever. You could be tired, hungover, whatever. And it's like, you know what? You can spend two or three minutes and and, and be a nice person, you know? I always try to be gracious in those situations the few times that it happens. As a matter of fact, our guy Michael here, he is one of the most well-known Austin FC fans at Q2, well, BK and I met up outside of our section during halftime of the game on Saturday, and Michael C. was, was apparently looking our direction for a little bit. And uh, BK's friend that was with them is like, hey, I think that guy is looking at you. And then he comes up and says, hey, I'm Michael C. And we're like, oh, shit, Michael. And so we gave him hugs and caught up for a few minutes cool. and uh, then uh, and talked with him. And I'm glad we got to do so because uh, Michael is one of the more valuable voices uh, here at Texas Sports Unfiltered on the, uh, the viewer slash listener side of things. But I always try to, uh, to be as gracious as possible. I ask names. I never fucking remember names. I hate that about myself. Names just do not stick in my brain. The first sometimes two or three times I hear them. Eventually, I will get it. But I always try to be very uh, appreciative. Thank you so much. Because of, because of people like you, it, uh, it allows us to do what we love for a living. But as a kid, I was way, way too self-aware and embarrassed to go up to anybody. So unless it was like an official autograph signing situation, 
where it's like stand in line and like got a puck signed by Mike McCona, uh, Madonna, let's say in my uh, early teenage years uh, when the star after the stars had moved to Dallas, like situations like that. Yes. But just like going up on my own, I was just way too shy and awkward as a kid to try and pull something like that off. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, but I will say this, like, it's funny as I got older, I thought about the Viola Franco deal. And I thought, you know, these guys just wanted to get something to eat, you know, now in fairness, a nine-year-old went up to him, had them sign something and it took 30 seconds. No, that, then, that's why. That's why. Fuck them. You were not. You were not an adult going up and asking for their autograph. In that situation, it's like be less of a fucking loser. But for you as a nine-year-old kid, like yeah. throw a little bit of fucking grace there, bro. A nine-year-old right. kid just recognized your ugly ass. Yeah, and the funny thing is, back then baseball was shit. Baseball probably was the most popular sport in America. Um, basketball was getting there, but it. And the NFL was, you know, right there. They were all kind of, you know, where they should be kind of neck and neck. Um, and maybe they were just getting recognized a ton and they're in New York. So, I mean, they, they probably were, but, you know, I'm sure those guys look back at moments like that and are like, you know, if they have any heart at all and are like, fuck, I kind of miss that. You know, those are the good old days. I was sick of a nine-year-old in Chicago from Austin, Texas coming up to me and wanting my autograph, you know? And I also, I mentioned, I'm like, hey, you two guys played at St. John's. It's cool you're, you know, you're with the Mets now and got traded, you know? Yeah, no. that's, uh, they, that's just taking that's just taking that moment for granted. Like, you're you're flying too high. You need to be right. knocked down a peg. If you're giving a nine-year-old shit, or you're, you're basically trashing the kid in front of his face because he just comes up and asks for a couple of autographs. Yeah. No, I should have pulled the swingers, but actually done it where I turned around and looked at my aunt and like ripped <laughs> it. Torn it up. Dude, that would have been funny. That would have been. That's one of those what, retrospective. No, with this little fucking stupid thing. It's one of those retrospective thoughts where you're like, God, I wish I'd I wish I had been quick enough in the moment to do something uh, like that. I yeah, I would have loved that just to do that. But yeah, I mean, you know, but now like I mean shit Mike Trout could walk down the street on Fifth Avenue and, and maybe two people would recognize him. Yeah. Anyway, with that said, David Pierce, you're up 16 to 2. We're still running. For me and Frank Viola. <laughs> Against St. John's you're saying tonight. Absolutely. Rub it in. Tell him it's no, don't don't you just want the Tuesday game to come to an end at that point? Aren't you hoping for a run ruling at the end of the seventh? Absolutely not. Once again, I've got nothing to do. I've got I I, I want everything to last longer. I built my life on stuff lasting longer. You built your life, a life, um, to where you actually you you don't have time for shit, you know. And I get it. Well, I've got time for shit, but I only have so much time that I'm willing to allot to certain shit. And for well, that's what I mean. First season Texas baseball, that's zero. So ultimately, I don't care that much. I just know that these guys, much like Major League Baseball players, who don't want to be stuck in 17 inning regular season extra inning affairs, uh, baseball players don't want to have to play a 16 to two game in the fifth inning all the way to the ninth. 
The outcome is bad. At that point. Let's get St. John's back on that plane up to New Jersey or New York or wherever the fuck the college is. I hear they're considering moving it to uh, Pennsylvania or Ohio in the next couple of years. Let's let them get back home, though. Let's go about our merry way and get ready for the series in Houston this weekend. There are coal miners here in Rumbles right now. They're not going home early. <laughs> I'm going to start using that for everything in life, you know. <laughs> you know, what was Seinfeld's deal? He was like, boy, you know, once we landed on the moon, that really, that set everything up for people that like to bitch a lot, you know? You know? <laughs> landed a man on the moon, I can't get toothpaste to actually come out and not get stuck! He he did give that that bit at the show that you and I saw at Bass. Is that a uh, is that a bit that he's told over the years too? It is, but that was the great thing about the Bass thing. It was refined. It was refined. So, the, like I just gave something I've never heard Seinfeld give. You know, toothpaste that gets stuck in the you know. But he gave he gave new stuff that he had originally because I mean that that bit never goes old. You can just always think of shit that people bitch about. You know. Yep. That's right. You have anything written down this week? We've got about five more minutes here before I'm in a bolt for downtown Austin. Oh, I had some good stuff. Really good stuff. You know, the, the, and I don't have it in front of me. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I've been flying around today. Got home late. Was on the call. So, um, I'll be more prepared. It's okay. On Thursday. Um, this is off the cuff. I was thinking about it last night. You know, you know, the song, do you like pina coladas? Yes. I'm getting caught in the rain. What a fucking bullshit song. Two fucking cheaters. Both y'all fucking suck as human beings. I, I don't want to fucking deal with any of y'all. Wait a second, really? Yes, you know that song goes, right? I'm looking it up now. Can we play the song? No, we can't, but I can look up the yeah. lyrics. Why can't we fucking play songs like that? What is it? It's forever. Like, what are we gonna do with that? All right, here's the lyrics. Here's the lyrics. Oh my they're God. both cheaters. Get to the end, dude. They fucking they're, they're both trying to cheat on each other and find each other. It's like, oh, what, what a cool love story. Now, fuck both of you. Get out of the dating game. Oh my goodness, I never realized these lyrics here. Okay, so here's here's verse one. I was tired of my lady. We'd been get together too long, like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed and in the personal columns, there was this letter I read. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, if you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, if you like making love at midnight in the dunes on the Cape, then I'm God, so love much you've looked for write to me and escape. I didn't think about my lady. I know that sounds kind of mean, but me and my old lady had fallen into the same old dull routine. <laughs> so I wrote to the paper, took out a personal ad, and thought I'm nobody's poet. I thought it wasn't half bad. Is this going to end with them ending up back together and in love once again, even though they're trying to cheat? Yes. And, and by the way, I love the personal ad. Can you imagine these people nowadays? Shit, they, they would have been fucking left and right on all these, you know, bungles or beagles or whatever any of these dating apps are yeah and in uh in the 90s it was the austin chronicle casual encounters in the 2000s it was the craigslist casual encounters and gradually through the 2010s up to now it's various dating apps i was laughing 
someone fucking chick who worked at LHN who and there are some there were some really good people there. She's one of the worst human beings of all time. You know, I'm talking about been divorced three times and mainly because of her attitude. I mean, she's just she's AIDS walking around as a personality. But let uh, me guess, it's always the other person's fault. Yeah, but I think she even got after the third divorce, like apparently kind of admitted I was gone by then that this may be a little bit on her. Um, but apparently she's all yeah, I was I was talking with someone like, yeah, I see her on all these dating apps. And I thought, you know what? Just like I, there should be some people that kind of are in timeout, you know, mm-hmm. dating timeout. Yep. And you can't do anything. And these two should have been on that. Yeah, so they're fucking cheating on each other. And it's like, and you know, you know, and they come back together. Anyway, I had some brilliant lyrics, um, but I, I need the tune. I need the tune to get it. Uh, and I have it, you know. I had some, yeah, I had some good shit. What? What is it? 1988 Nintendo baseball game? <laughs> what the fuck it sounded like? <laughs> oh, Super Mario gets one of the dogs all fired up. Uh, is it Luigi or the Queen? Uh, Oh, oh, come on. We were making high-pitched noises. They've been they've been good boys, so no, they were barking at somebody walking a dog on the sidewalk outside. That had nothing to do with us. All right, a dog on the sidewalk. They're being dogs, they're doing what they should. Shut your fucking face, you dog. Not you. The dog. Oh, no, me too. God, I, I had some good ones. So I'm tired of my lady. She's not that bad. Boom, 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 boom. Do you like being young and lovers? Getting caught in the rain. I'm dating a fucking hooker. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had some, dude, I had some fucking great lyrics last night. Like, I mean, fucking brilliant lyrics. Um, but I need to, I need to get back. I'll bring it back next week. I, I need to get the actual, the actual, cause it's actually a really good tune and, and, and the guy's got a good voice. It was good, but yeah, I mean, I, and I never knew that it was like the 10th time around. I'm like, when are you guys are fucking cheating on each other? This like, both y'all suck. Yeah, so I waited with high hopes, and she walked in the place. I knew her smile in an instant. I knew the curve of her face. It was my own lovely lady, and she said, "Oh, it's you." Then we oh, 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 I said, oh, I, I was looking at the fucking right other cop. Sorry, it was you. It was you and just both trying to cheat on that yeah. Honey, we're back yeah. together now. Our relationship is perfect. Yeah, she's crying and bullshitting, and he's like, "Hey, I just didn't know." <laughs> Oh, gosh. I wonder if he said, yeah, I know you're not into yoga. You're the least flexible person I know. That includes me. I do love at that time, though. Can you imagine saying that now? You know, like, you know, you know, you fucking weirdo. I'm not into yoga. Be like, you're not. Well, what about playing Connect Four as humans? Uh, uh, 
<laughs> you know, I mean, like, if you're not into yoga now, or if you come across that way, it's like, I'm not into fucking yoga. What am I, a fucking retard? Um, oh, man. Like, or... get blasted, especially in Austin now on the dating apps. What do you mean you're not into yoga? What about Pilates? Oh, gosh. That's it for today's three to five show. I've got to head downtown now. Good stuff today, buddy. Go have fun. Let's go, Horns. Let's run it up on St. John's. Do it for me. I bat boy for you. Do it. Do it for fucking Frank Viola. Shove it up his ass. Little league run rule then by the fifth inning by winning by 10 or more runs. He is Kevin Dunn. I am Trey Elling. Thank you for watching and listening today. If you're on YouTube right now, click that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel. If you have not already and download our free app through the app store on your phone, search Texas sports unfiltered. We will talk to you tomorrow starting at 8 a.m. with Bucky and BK. In the meantime, have a great rest of the day and welcome.